welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 177, Speechless. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. This week we are reading Matthew chapter 21 through 23, Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19 through 20, and John chapter 12. This week we are going to focus on Matthew chapter 22, where the Savior tells a parable of a wedding guest who is provided a garment, chooses not to wear it, and then is left without excuse at the end. I loved this talk that I read from Elder Craig Olson. It was given on September 27th of 2011 as a BYU-Hawaii devotional address, and Elder Olson is a service missionary, or was a service missionary. He says, at the second coming of Christ, those that will be invited to the wedding feast will have to be dressed symbolically in clean and white clothing that represents our worthiness, purity, obedience, integrity, and righteousness. How are you dressed? Are your clothes clean and white? Have you put on the fine linen of righteousness? In Matthew chapter 22, the Savior gives a parable called the parable of the marriage of the king's son. In this parable, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king, who is our heavenly father, and he prepares a wedding celebration for his son, Jesus Christ. He sent forth his servants to call those that were invited to come to the wedding, but they did not want to come. He sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. Not only did the people not come to the wedding, but in this parable they took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Then the king said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid or invite to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. In other words, he did not have on his robes of righteousness. He was not dressed in clean and white linen. And just as a side note, the guest would have been provided with that garment. He wouldn't have had to come in his own perfect clothes. He would have been provided that garment. Notice the next words, and he was speechless. He was an individual who had been invited, like we have, to the wedding feast. This wedding feast is symbolic of the second coming of Christ, where the Savior will be joined with his prepared covenant people who have put on the robes of righteousness. Each person that is called to the marriage feast will be examined separately and individually. If we, who have been taught and have been given much, are not prepared, what can we say when the time comes? What excuse will we give him? How do we tell the Father and the Son that other things were more important to us than living his gospel. Where much is given, much is required. He was speechless. To me, that is for sure the most impactful moment of the story. And it brings me back to the questions that Elder Craig posed at the beginning. How are you dressed? Are your clothes clean and white? Have you put on the fine linen of righteousness? And he continues, are you ready? Are there things in your life that need to be taken care of? When he comes again, will you run to him? or shy away from him? Have we procrastinated the day of our repentance? It has been said that people who count on repenting at 11 o'clock usually die at 1030. Robert H. Smith wrote, The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. The present only is our own, so live, love, toil with a will. Place no faith in tomorrow, for the clock may then be still." When you meet the Father and the Son, 
and he asks you where your wedding garment is, will you be speechless? Will you have no adequate excuse? And ultimately, no excuse will be adequate because everything was paid for by the Savior. You just have to use the gift he has given you. Or will you be beautifully clothed in righteousness and purity? Now, fear is not an effective motivator. So when the Savior teaches us doctrines like this, I don't think his intent is ever to terrify us. His intent is to love us. And the way that he shows us that love is to make sure that we understand what is required. I recently read something, and I can't remember where, where a doctor was talking about how he shows love for his patients. And how he does that is not to sugarcoat things. And in thinking about that, it made me want to look around on the internet, what the medical community says about sugarcoating situations to patients. Craig Bates, who is a clinical assistant professor of emergency medicine at the Case School of Medicine and an attending emergency medicine physician at Metro Health Medical Center, both in Cleveland, Ohio. He says sugarcoating or holding back information is completely inappropriate if it impairs the patient's ability to make informed medical decisions. If the patient has to make choices that can alter their course of treatment, it is critical that physicians are as upfront as possible. As we're reading the New Testament, it is obvious why one of Christ's many names is the master healer or the master physician. And I don't believe that Christ healed all those people he healed in the New Testament just to help that person. While I'm sure that that brought him great joy to do that for that person and was so meaningful for the one, I believe that the primary reason was to demonstrate to the world and all of humanity what his role is intended to be in our life. He is our master healer and physician. When Christ was called out by the Pharisees for eating with publicans and sinners, Christ's response was, they that be whole need not a physician but they that are sick. He is our physician. Are we whole? Are any of us whole without him? No, those Pharisees needed him. The publicans needed him. The sinners needed him. The apostles needed him. Every prophet in the scriptures need him. President Nelson needs him. I need him. You need him. We are all in need of a healing that only he can offer. And as our physician, he refuses to sugarcoat our situation here on earth. Because he knows that we need to make decisions based on truth as God defines it, which is the only real truth. I believe that we can rephrase what our Dr. Craig said before as the Savior would say it. The Savior might say sugarcoating or holding back information is completely inappropriate because it impairs your ability to make informed decisions. If you have to make a choice that can alter your course, it is critical that the physician is as upfront as possible. We have been given very clear directions on how to live our life, how to clothe ourselves for the second coming. And I'm not talking about the tedious minutia of church culture living. I'm talking about the kind of change of heart that the Savior really cares about. First and foremost, are you using the atonement actively in your life? And if you aren't, none of the rest of the questions that I'm about to ask you will matter because you're not going to perform any of these things perfectly. And better than any questions I could come up with, Alma gives us a perfect checklist of questions to ask ourselves in Alma chapter 5, starting in verse 26. He says, And now behold, I say unto you, my brethren, if ye have experienced a change of heart, and if ye have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, I would ask, can ye feel so now? Have ye walked, keeping yourselves blameless before God? 
Could ye say, if ye were called to die at this time within yourselves, that ye have been sufficiently humble, that your garments have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ, who will come to redeem his people from their sins? Behold, are ye stripped of pride? I say unto you, if ye are not, ye are not prepared to meet God. Behold, ye must prepare quickly, for the kingdom of heaven is soon at hand, and such an one hath not eternal life. Behold, I say, is there one among you who is not stripped of envy? I say unto you that such an one is not prepared, and I would that he should prepare quickly, for the hour is close at hand, and he knoweth not when the time shall come, for such an one is not found guiltless. And again I say unto you, Is there one among you that doth make a mock of his brother, or that heapeth upon him persecutions? Behold, he sendeth an invitation unto all men, for the arms of mercy are extended toward them. And he saith, Repent, and I will receive you. Yea, he saith, Come unto me, and ye shall partake of the fruit of the tree of life. Yea, ye shall eat and drink of the bread and the waters of life freely. Yea, come unto me, and bring forth works of righteousness, and ye shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire. Behold, I say unto you that the good shepherd doth call you. Yea, and in his own name doth he call you, which is the name of Christ. And if ye will not hearken unto the voice of the good shepherd, to the name by which ye are called, behold, ye are not the sheep of the good shepherd." And now, if ye are not the sheep of the good shepherd, of what fold are ye? Behold, I say unto you that the devil is your shepherd, and ye are of his fold, and now who can deny this? Behold, I say unto you, whosoever denieth this is a liar and a child of the devil. For I say unto you that whatsoever is good cometh from God, and whatsoever is evil cometh from the devil. Therefore, if a man bringeth forth good works, he hearkeneth unto the voice of the good shepherd, and doth follow him. But whosoever bringeth forth evil works, The same becometh a child of the devil, for he hearkeneth unto his voice, and doth follow him. And whosoever doeth this must receive his wages of him. Therefore, for his wages he receiveth death, as to things pertaining unto righteousness, being dead unto all good works. And now, my brethren, I would that ye should hear me, for I speak in the energy of my soul. For behold, I have spoken unto you plainly, that ye cannot err, and have spoken according to the commandments of God. For I am called to speak after this manner, according to the holy order of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Yea, I am commanded to stand and testify unto this people the things which have been spoken by our fathers concerning the things which are to come. And this is not all. Do ye not suppose that I know of these things myself? Behold, I testify unto you, that I do know that these things whereof I have spoken are true. And how do ye suppose that I know of their surety? Behold, I say unto you that they are made known unto me by the Holy Spirit of God. Behold, I have fasted and prayed many days that I might know these things of myself. And now I do know of myself that they are true. For the Lord God hath made them manifest unto me by his Holy Spirit. And this is the spirit of revelation which is in me. And now, my beloved brethren, I say unto you, can ye withstand these things? Yea, can ye lay aside these things and trample the Holy One under your feet? Yea, can ye be puffed up in the pride of your hearts? Yea, will ye persist in the wearing of costly apparel and setting your hearts upon the vain things of the world, upon your riches? Yea, will ye persist in supporting that ye are better one than another? Yea, will ye persist in the persecution of your brethren who humble themselves and do walk after the holy order of God? Wherewith they have been brought into this church, having been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and they do bring forth works which are meet for repentance. Yea, and will ye persist in turning your backs upon the poor and the needy, and in withholding your substance from them? 
And finally, all ye that will persist in your wickedness, I say unto you that these are they who shall be hewn down and cast into the fire, except they speedily repent. And now I say unto you, all you that are desirous to follow the voice of the good shepherd, come ye out from the wicked, and be ye separate, and touch not their unclean things. And behold, their names shall be blotted out, and the names of the wicked shall not be numbered among the names of the righteous." that the word of God may be fulfilled, which saith, The names of the wicked shall not be mingled with the names of my people. For the names of the righteous shall be written in the book of life, and unto them I will grant an inheritance at my right hand. And now, my brethren, what have ye to say against this? I say unto you, if ye speak against it, it matters not, for the word of God must be fulfilled. For what shepherd is there among you, having many sheep, doth not watch over them, that the wolves enter not and devour his flock? And behold, if a wolf entered his flock, doth he not drive him out? Yea, and at the last, if he can, he will destroy him. And now I say unto you that the good shepherd doth call after you. And if ye will hearken unto his voice, he will bring you into his fold. And ye are his sheep, and he commandeth you that ye suffer no ravenous wolf to enter among you, that ye may not be destroyed. And now I, Alma, do command you in the language of him who hath commanded me, that ye observe to do the words which I have spoken unto you. I speak by a way of command unto you that do belong to the church, and unto those who do not belong to the church I speak by way of invitation, saying, Come and be baptized unto repentance, that ye also may be partakers of the fruit of the tree of life. I love that part where Alma says, I do command you in the language of him who commandeth me, that ye do observe the words which I have spoken unto you. We are all in this. We are all invited to the wedding feast. As Elder Craig posed, at the second coming of Christ, those that will be invited to the wedding feast will have to be dressed symbolically in clean and white clothing that represents our worthiness, purity, obedience, integrity, and righteousness. How are you dressed? Are your clothes clean and white? Have you put on the fine linen of righteousness? What we just read from Alma is an excellent self-evaluation chapter. Alma chapter 5. I don't want to be like the man at the wedding, speechless, without excuse. The Lord has provided me everything I need in order to attend the wedding. So the question comes down to the same thing it always comes down to, my agency. Will I choose to wear the wedding garment that has been provided for me, or will I reject it and be left speechless in the end? I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 